Sports. This is episode number 27, and I'm Alex Beaudry. It's been a while since I've put on the old agent hat, at least in terms of this podcast, so we're going to get into a little bit more of a behind-the-scenes slash technical episode of the podcast. Um, now that the Super Bowl has come and gone, 2021 is in the books. It's in the rearview mirror. Teams... Well, most teams have been focused on 2022 and beyond for quite some time, but now all 32 teams will be looking forward. And I wanted to give you all a sense of what teams are doing, um, what the draft process looks like, what does free agency look like, um, what's going on with players, etc. as we kind of get prepped for draft season. If you're a football nerd like I am, it's it is now the entire focus really is on two things it's free agency and for most teams more importantly the draft so let's start with the with the draft just to give you a sense of what teams are doing and how the draft process goes so let's start with the scouts because you know obviously um, at least for most teams, scouting is an extremely important piece of the puzzle as they build their big boards. Um, so the life of a scout is not exactly a glamorous one. It's a ton of work. It's a ton of travel. And it begins all the way back in August. So, you know, once July rolls around, most scouts get their last vacation in for the year, see their families. And then they hit the road, and they are living in hotels, going from school to school, doing their best to get measurements, conduct interviews, watch film, and then see these players either at practice or on Saturdays as they take the field in their respective games. So, you know, from the middle to end of August, all the way through November, scouts are on the road, and they're, they're doing their thing. Once December rolls around, they will come back to the team facilities and teams will begin conducting their initial draft boards for the 2022 draft. So this past December, scouts come back, they meet with general managers, other people in the front office, and they start to piece together their draft board based on film, based on you know in-person visits, interviews, background checks, everything that goes into the scouting department, trying to get a sense for who these kids are and who's got a chance to make an impact at the next level, the initial draft um, draft boards are, are built. So then once January rolls around, uh, there may be a few games to see, you know, teams that are in big bowl games, national championship, etc., and the All-Star Circuit. Um, the first major All-Star game is the College Gridiron Showcase. Uh, this past year that happened, I think, the second week of January. And then after that, you got um, you know, the Hula Bowl, the Tropical Bowl, the NFL PA Bowl, the East-West Shrine Game, Senior Bowl. All those All-Star games happen 
over the month of January into the first week of February. And actually this week, the HBCU Legacy Bowl is kind of the cap to the all-star circuit. So, you know what? It ranges over about a month, and obviously scouts are there. It's kind of probably their first time getting a true measurement of some of these prospects. So um, college programs are just as bad as high school programs when it comes to listing official heights and weights. Um, Usually they'll make their players an inch or two taller, depending on whether they want that player to look heavier or lighter. They'll add 10, 15 pounds or subtract 10, 15 pounds. So once these players get to the all-star games, most of them do weigh-ins and measurements. That's when scouts will get their first true look at what a player's size is, which is very important for most teams. So scouts go to the all-star games. They will then come back to the team facilities and between now, well, after the HBCU Legacy Bowl, which concludes on February 19th this year, scouts will come back and they'll get back to work. So they'll, you know, revamp their board, you know, maybe move a guy up, maybe move a guy down. Maybe they find a character flaw and they completely remove a player from their board you know, they're, they're going to go through that process. Then on March 1st, the NFL scouting combine will begin. Um, and that's back at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Um, it's been there for as long as I can remember. Um, there are talks that they're going to maybe try and move that around in classic NFL fashion if they can make a dollar or, you know, get another city involved. That game, that may bounce around, similar to how the draft always used to be in New York, and now the draft bumps around, you know, trying to get more cities involved, more money, more tourism, all that stuff. Grow the game, right? So, but for now, it's back in Indianapolis. So uh, teams will descend on Lucas Oil Stadium, and they'll watch guys run around in shorts and T-shirts. They'll do the 40-yard dash, the three-cone. Um you know, the, the bench press, the vertical jump, broad jump, etc. Watch those guys work out, and then they'll get a sense for, again, what teams are hoping to do at the combine. Very rarely will a guy sprout up at the combine. Most of the time, scouts and general managers are just making sure that what they saw on film and what they saw in a player's playing career on the field matches their workout. So, for example, um, you see a wide receiver who looks extremely fast on tape. They just want to make sure that they're actually fast, so they'll look at that 40 time. Now, if that player comes out and runs a 4-6-5, which is you know, on the slower end for a wide receiver, they will go back and double check the film but most of the time all they're doing is making sure that those workouts are verifying what they saw on film every blue moon every once in a while you will have a guy who has an amazing workout and a general manager will fall in love with them i'm not going to say it doesn't happen it does um but it's pretty pretty rare so that's march 1st through the 7th is the nfl scouting combine 
there's about 350 or so guys who are invited to the combine every year. To give you a little bit of sense, there's usually about 250 to 260 guys that are drafted in the draft. And that number does vary based on uh, compensatory picks. So some teams will get picks if they lose guys to free agency, um, et cetera. So it does vary year to year. But just because you're invited to the combine does not mean that you're going to get drafted. And in fact, there's about 100 guys that won't. Furthermore, there will be guys who don't go to the combine who will get drafted. Um, it's just, <clears throat> you know, the NFL combine is voted on by, by scouts. Who do they want to see? But that doesn't mean a team won't fall in love with a guy who's not there. And and fall in love with is maybe a strong word, but, you know, they might really like a guy that they're going to take in the sixth or seventh round that wasn't invited to the combine. So um, you can get a sense for, for what that looks like. So <clears throat> after March 7th comes and goes, um, you will then have pro days. So uh, for for my clients, the pro day is going to be, um, you know, their opportunity to do what other players did at the scouting combine. So they're going to get to run the 40, vertical jump, broad jump, three-cone drill, etc. cetera, um, in a sense to impress scouts um, and try and, you know, get on some of these teams' radars. So pro days are going to start. <clears throat> my first pro day is actually on March 7th. Um, and then March 8th, and then I have several that will be towards the end of the month. Uh, March 28th right now is the latest pro day for one of my clients, but they will extend into the first week in April, and scouts will be on the road um, tracking that. The NFL has gotten better about posting the results of teams' pro days to like a central database, so it does cut down on a little bit of travel time. But again, if a team likes a player they're probably going to send someone to that pro day, get their own times, um, you know, watch a guy move in person, et cetera. So uh, after the combine's over, it becomes pro day season. Those will run through the beginning of April um, for some of the later ones. <clears throat> and then uh, it's kind of quiet time until the draft. This year the draft is in Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas, April 28th through the 30th. So the very last weekend in April. Uh, then, you know, that's the teams, a lot of team Super Bowls. You know, they get a chance to draft, rebuild, find inexpensive talent because rookies are just cheaper than veterans. So um, once the draft comes and goes, there'll be rookie mini camps, rookie OTAs. Um, very shortly after, usually the first, second week after the draft. And then we get rolling into off-season workouts. So for teams and college players entering the pros, that's what the schedule looks like. So for the guys attending the combine, they're finishing their combine prep over the next couple weeks, getting ready to head to Indianapolis. For guys not invited to the combine, they're just prepping for their pro day as they get ready to you know, do their best to impress teams heading into draft season. <clears throat> so let's switch now to the pros and the veterans. 
So teams between now and March 16th have to, you know, set the stage for their salary cap position going into 2022. So the most important date for teams is March 16th right now. March 16th is the beginning of the new league year. What that means is every team by 4 p.m. Eastern time on March 16th must be under the new salary cap. So this year, the salary cap was $182.5 million. Next year, that number is going up to $208 million, or right around there. So, <clears throat> you, 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 for example, Packer fans may have heard they're you know, about $40 million over the cap. What that means is, based on their 2022 contracts, specifically their contracts for the, the top 51, so the most expensive 51 guys on their roster, because again, beginning in the offseason, you'll, be you'll be able to have up to 90 players on your roster, but they look at the top 51 for salary cap purposes. Based on those 51 top salary expenses, you must be under that $208 million number. So, you know, as players get into their further into their contracts, usually their contract prices increase. So for the Packers, right now they're about $40 million above the cap. So by March 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern, they must be under that that number. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The NFL contrary to some people's opinions, does have a hard salary cap. You cannot go over that. There are significant penalties to go over the salary cap. So every team will be under the salary cap. And how do they get there? They're going to restructure guys so they'll convert base salary to signing bonus so that they can spread the signing bonus amount over the life of the contract. They'll reduce you know cap that way. They're going to cut guys etc. So <clears throat> for teams that are over the cap or are getting close to the cap that are looking to extend guys, maybe they're looking to create room for free agency. Between now and March 15th, you'll start to see teams make some big moves. Uh, whether that's cutting veteran players, making adjustments to base salaries and signing bonuses, whatever that might be to create that cap room. Teams are going to be doing that over the next month. I mentioned in the podcast last week with Mike that, you know, it'll be very telling for Packer fans whether the Packers are serious about extending Rodgers and or um, re-signing Devontae Adams because they are $40 million over the cap. To do that, they're going to have to create some cap space so in the next couple of weeks, if you see the Packers shedding cap, you know they're making room for a big move. If the Packers are very quiet, then you know they're going to deal Rodgers and they're likely not going to re-sign Adams, and then they won't have any salary cap problems because if they get rid of Rodgers, that $40 million almost goes away instantly. So, <clears throat> you know, watch your favorite team over the next couple of weeks and you're going to get a sense for what they're trying to do as free agency approaches. So as we approach March 16th, 
there are a couple of other important days. The deadline to franchise tag a player is March 8th, 4 p.m. Eastern time. So it's about a week before the league year ends, and you ha- it can go up to two weeks before that. So it'll be March 8th through about, pull my calendar up here, February 22nd, 23rd, that time frame. So in the next next week, end of next week, you could start to see teams franchise tag players. I will say that whenever there's a deadline, whether it's the trading deadline, whether it's the you know start of the new league year, teams do like to wait till the very last minute. So you might not see a lot of guys tagged right when that period begins. Um, but as we approach March 8th, you'll get a sense for uh, what teams will franchise tag a player. There's usually been hmm, anywhere from 6 to 10 guys on any given year who are tagged. Um, you know, Devontae Adams might be one of those players. Uh, Jesse Bates from the Bengals might get tagged. So, you know, teams will use the franchise tag to re-sign a player to a one-year fully guaranteed deal. Um, but there's really no negotiating. The agent can't, you know, really do much about it. Uh, the player can choose to either accept it or not. Um, but usually once you're tagged, you're stuck for another year in that city. Um, unless you hold out, you know, a la Le'Veon Bell. But most players now will just accept the tag, play on it, and pray to God you don't get hurt and that you can continue to perform so that you can sign that long-term deal. Players hate the franchise tag. Agents hate the franchise tag. Teams love the franchise tag because they get all the control. The one downside for the teams is that it is fully guaranteed money. Um, And you look at, like... uh, Oh, like an Allen Robinson who was tagged for, you know, almost $20 million or over $20 million. And then he didn't really perform to that contract. So, you know, there is some risk to it, but, you know, it is a management tool. And when I say management, I mean team tool to control player movement, control when players reach free agency. And uh, as a player slash agent, it's not great. Uh, to say it politely. Anyway, so teams will have until March 8th at 4 p.m. Eastern time, uh, New York time, which is where the league office is, uh, to designate those franchise or transition players. Okay. Beginning March 14th at noon, New York time, teams can... Teams can legally, what, what do they call it? The legal tampering period. So essentially two days before the league year because technically free agency does not begin until March 16th at 4 p.m. New York time. So when the new league year begins is when technically a free agent can begin negotiations and signing with a new team. The NFL has a rule with a legal tampering period where teams can begin contract negotiations with either agents or if a player does not have an agent, the player directly um, to, to sign a free agent deal. I will tell you that in practice, <laughs> most of the time, players know where they're going to go 
because teams have already been negotiating with agents long before this. It's just it's just the way the world works. And I know this to be true because watch how many guys watch on March 14th after 4 p.m. or whatever. Watch how many headlines hit ESPN saying player X is going to sign with team Y for four years, $40 million, whatever. Like you can't tell me that they've got that all done in, in an hour and then just reported it to ESPN. Like, no, that's been being worked on for weeks. <laughs> and now that it can quote unquote be officially announced, they're announcing it. So beginning on March 14th, teams can start to quote unquote negotiate with players and their agents um, who are free agents going into 2022 those contracts cannot be executed until the new league year begins. So even though stuff may be announced, you know, on ESPN or other media on March 14th and March 15th, those contracts will not be official and they will not hit teams salary caps until the new league year begins March 16th, 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, and then after March 16th, you know, those first couple days of, uh, free agency are wild. It's crazy. A lot of news breaking, players bouncing back and forth. Um, and, you know, teams will kind of start to rebuild through free agency beginning around the middle of March. The last thing I'll say about player movement is between now, so today's February 17th, between now and the new league year, teams are allowed to re-sign their own players. So, for example, Devontae Adams' contract is expiring, but he is under contract through the league year. So the Packers have the opportunity to re-sign him prior to him hitting free agency. Um, Same thing if they wanted to extend their own. For example, Rodgers, he's under contract for 2022, But if they wanted to extend him into future years, they can do that prior to the new league year. Um, So, you know, you will see guys re-signing, extending their contracts before the new league year begins. And that's perfectly fine and, you know, normal. If a player is looking to hit free agency, they can't do anything until March 16th. So that is a big kind of differential there. So, you know, the three pieces... You can extend or re-sign your own guys. You have the franchise tag uh, deadline that, you know, that 14-day period will begin next week and run through March 8th. And then on March 14th, you can begin negotiations to sign guys after March 16th. So that's what the veteran schedule will look like as we approach mid-March. Um most guys want to be signed in the first week or so of free agency. Um, after that, it gets a little bit trickier. Um, timing is important here for players. If they are looking to hit free agency to find a new home, most guys want to sign early. That's where the money's spent. The longer you go on, uh, the harder it may be to find a new home. So that's what players and in their agents uh, will be looking at as they go. A couple other odds and ends here when we look at the league calendar um, beginning April 4th teams that hired a new head coach after the end of the 2021 regular season may begin workouts so you can start to have your offseason workout programs begin Um, 
if you have a returning head coach, April 18th is that deadline. April 20th is the deadline to bring draft-eligible players to their facilities for a physical exam. So the thing here is a lot of times teams have, I think, I should double-check this before I stick my foot in my mouth. I think teams can bring in up to 30 guys to kind of do interviews, put them through workouts, a physical exam, interviews, etc., as they finalize their draft board. So you'll you'll hear usually around quarterbacks, hey, um, the Cleveland Browns brought in Desmond Ritter for a workout. You know, what they're doing is they're bringing the guys into their facility, kind of getting a final weight, having their doctors check them out, and they'll put them through a workout. Um, so a lot of times teams will use that for guys they're looking at in the first, second, maybe even third round. But a lot of other times they'll bring in undrafted you know guys who have an undrafted free agency grade um to kind of wine and dine them so that when the draft is over because the minute the draft is done um every player who was not drafted is now an you know a free agent and they can sign wherever they would like so teams will want to make sure if they have a guy with a priority free agent grade that they once they offer them they obviously want that guy to sign on their team so they'll kind of wine and dine them They'll bring them in for a workout, et cetera. Um, that is an important component that I didn't talk about during the draft process. So between the end of pro days and April 20th, teams will have that ability to bring guys into their facility. Um, April 22nd is the deadline for restricted free agents to sign their offer sheets. I could probably do a whole other podcast on restricted free agents versus unrestricted free agents. The big thing for restricted free agents is if you have less than four accrued seasons. So basically if you haven't been in the league for at least four seasons. So an accrued season you have to be on, you know, an active and active roster, injured reserve, etc. for at least six games in any season. So a lot of times, you know, restricted free agents after the last collective bargaining agreement and now all rookie contracts are four years, most restricted free agents are going to be undrafted guys. So an undrafted free agent, they'll sign a three-year contract, so they they haven't hit unrestricted free agency yet. And again, I'll get into the details of this maybe in a different podcast. They have a different free agency structure, and teams have you know a little bit more control, hence the term restricted free agents. Um, you know, so they'll offer tender sheets to those players if they want to bring them on for an additional year. April 22nd is that um, deadline for restricted free agents to sign those offer sheets. Again, I'll get into that maybe at a different podcast. Um, April 27th is um, the deadline for a prior club to exercise the right of first refusal for, for restricted free agents. Again, um, maybe I'll do another podcast as we approach that deadline. And then April 27th is the deadline to time test and interview draft-eligible players. Most teams will have done that much sooner because the draft is April 28th. Um, will be day one, so your first round. April 29th will be rounds two and three. And then rounds four through seven will be April 30th. And then that first week in May, you'll start to have teams with rookie mini camps and rookie OTAs. And we're off and running for the summer, which is you know teams getting ready for that 2022 season. So that's what, you know, draft and free agency is going to look like over the next couple weeks to months. 
Um, you know, it's not real games, but it's real news. And for a lot of people, um, it's kind of the Super Bowl. There's a lot of draft nerds. Um, and, you know, for teams, this is extremely important because you can supplement your roster with good, inexpensive talent if you have a good draft. Conversely, if you have a bad draft, you're setting your team another year behind. Um, so it's an extremely important team, important part of the year for teams. Unless you're the Super Bowl champion Rams and you don't have a draft pick until the fifth round, you can kind of stick your feet up and they'll probably focus more on free agency. Uh, that's kind of how they built their roster. So, But yeah, that's what teams are doing. That's what scouts are doing. That's what, this, that's what the calendar looks like. Um, it's a busy part of the year, exciting part of the year for people like me as their guys are getting ready for pro days and combines and, and the draft. And then, uh, you know, get to work. So that's what it looks like. Um, I hope you enjoyed this kind of peek behind the scenes here, what the calendar looks like. Um, I, I certainly enjoyed preparing for it. So uh, follow me on all the socials, um, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Bye. Bye.